from the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. There's a new book out that I can't stop looking at and touching. It's the new Brownies book, celebrating the first magazine ever created for black children more than 100 years ago called the Brownies book. It was a launch pad for some of our greatest literati's careers uh, embedded in this Brownies book. This hour will also feature the voices of black bookstore owners and the founder of the African American Literature Book Club. But first, it was on this day, November 27, 1962, that Martin Luther King Jr. visited Rocky Mount, North Carolina. He gave a speech that had a similar refrain to the famous I Have a Dream speech recorded on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. several months later. One day right now in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a the Reverend Omatolakun Omakunde was a 15-year-old student at Booker T. Washington High School in Rocky Mount when he got the chance to meet King and hear him speak using those same words. Here is a verse from the Rocky Mount speech. Well, they right down there, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls and walk the streets as brothers and sisters. I have a dream that one day, right here in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will meet at the table of brotherhood, knowing that out of one blood, God made all men to dwell upon the face of earth. I have a dream. Wow, that gave me chills. <laughs> I don't know about you. So please tell me, Dr. Omakunde, um, tell me about that night. Well, that night would have to take, would have to go back about a month before that night. Miss Esmerella Hawkins, world history teacher. And so what she did for me was made me then the top student in world history. Now, what happened? There was a contest. The winner was already set for the contest. I think it was rigged. I won, and the late Dr. Brenda Armstrong won. Oh, I know Brenda Armstrong from Duke University. Yes, Brenda was the valedictorian of our class. Yes. Brenda was my heart. We went to Mount Pisgah Presbyterian Church together. And so Miss Hawkins loved this little chocolate boy that she had taught world history. Her thing with education would take you places where they won't tease you, but you'll be teaching them. So November 27, 1962, Miss Hawkins, when you shall have finished this experience, you will be the better for it. And she taught me how to put the endings on words so that I could speak better. Because I had preached my first sermon at 12 years old. In Mount Pisgah. So you already knew you wanted to be. Right. And so, and so then my aunt, my grandmama washed, starched, and ironed my underwear. I had a starched underwear. Because you were going to see Dr. Martin Luther King. I didn't know that. They my, knew it. My, though, uncle, didn't they? My, my uncle Lindbergh, 
Charles Lindbergh, to be a fact, Stith, S-T-I-T-H, came and told me to come with him. My other uncle, Thomas Stith, got me a new suit from Rosenblum Levy, the most prestigious store in Rocky Mountain. I had this blue suit. And my uncle taught me how to tie a Windsor knot with a white shirt and a dark tie and a handkerchief in my pocket, a squared handkerchief. And I had old new Buster Brown shoes. Yep. She put olive oil in my full head of hair and made waves go to the side rather than front and the back. And I went and I met Miss Hawkins and my my buddy, Dr. Brenda Armstrong, at the door of the library of Booker T. Washington. And Miss Armstrong opened the door and walked in, and there sat Dr. Martin Luther King. And for an hour, Brenda and I interviewed Dr. King and had a conversation with Dr. King. And so somehow I became a great philosopher at that <laughs> at time. At 15. At 15. I said, Dr. King, uh, let's revisit the the Mahatmas Gandhi uh, era in your life. And why would you choose this person with a little cloth on to be assembled for what you wanted to do? I said, wait a minute, Miss Hawkins, I'm talking to King now. But anyway, <laughs> oh, Brenda, we'll get back imagine. to you. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I was so elated. Brenda had a uh, Coca-Cola with a straw in it and a napkin because that's what ladies did. Boys didn't drink out of straws in North Carolina in 1962. So I had a, I had a, I had a whole Coke. Harriet had a straw in it and a napkin. Uh, Miss Hawkins had coffee, and Dr. King had coffee. Well, I, little did I know that when we walked out, I didn't know what was going on. I knew world history, but I didn't know current history, obviously. But I knew something was going on because folks started talking. There was a buzz in the African-American community mm. that King is coming. We walked out, and the audience was in the Booger T. Gym. Uh, on stage was Dr. James H. Coston, my pastor at Mount Pisgah, who baptized me. And my grandmama was there. Big Mama was there. My Uncle Barry was there. My Uncle uh, Blur was there. All of my uncles, I think, were there. My aunts were there. And I was walking in, and as I walked, I walked almost towards the stage. I, I thought I was going to be on the <laughs> dice, but the ushers... The church police. Yeah, the church police. The church you police said, your grandmama's sitting over there, boy. Now go on in there and sit down and act like you got some sense. Okay. It wasn't so I did. But I was walking on cloud now. I was elated because King was like an uncle or a daddy that was right. From that time on, I knew that no matter what I did, uh, being a preacher was going to be part of it. I became a Martin Luther King follower at that, at that point. It changed your life. It changed my life. And the kids just thought I was, I was, I, I was it. I was a, uh, you know, I was a. So it sounded like, it sounds like you already had the big head, but now you were walking a little taller, I think. Walking a little taller. Yes. But what Miss Esmerella Hawkins told me, you are going to Johnson C. Smith University and you're going to get an education, and you're not going to let anybody tell you anymore that you what you cannot do. So Miss Esmeralda Hawkins put me on, on that straight and narrow. Miss Melva Coston and Miss Gay was doing the cooking, the steaks and everything for King to eat that evening. And you know they had to sneak 
king into town. And so what the password was, the blackberry pie is ready. Blackberry pie is ready. Blackbird? Blackberry pie. Blackberry pie, pie is, is ready. ready. And that's when he called his wife, Dr. Melva Costum, to let him know to prepare the food and everything, and also that they got him in safely. Mm-hmm. Dr. King made me want to go to school. Uh, so, I, I went, I, so I went to Johnson C. Smith because they said I was going to Johnson C. Smith, and that's where the Presbyterian preachers went, to Johnson C. Smith. Now, this is a very serious question I have to ask you because I wonder if 15-year-olds now across North Carolina or even the country, you know, or even let's just say in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, got to hear Martin Luther King's speech that he gave when you were 15 mm-hmm. years old, like how would it affect them and change their lives? I wonder if 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 school children are hearing those words in school anymore. I know some school districts across the country, they probably would not, you know, play that speech. Like but... Florida. Uh, let me explain something to you. It's not the school children's fault. It's what we put on the tape that counts for them. It's what we say. We have to understand the historical nature. We did not start in slavery, but we were brought here to, because white people didn't want to do their own work. Now, that's a, a political statement. They don't have that background of history. They don't have Miss Esmerella Hawkins anymore. Never give up on, on our children. Uh, I have that integrity burnt into my soul because of Miss Hawkins, because of Brenda, and because of a lot of, you know, other folk in Rocky Mount. I call Rocky Mount the Holy Land. For you, me, it was the Holy Land. You had a great village there. Yeah. A village that um, allowed you to meet Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, <laughs> in person. Amazing. Today, the Reverend Omatolakun Omakunde is 75 years old and lives in Oxford, North Carolina, a retired pastor of Timothy Darling Presbyterian Church. He is a proud graduate of Johnson C. Smith University, the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, and Virginia Union University. Special thanks to NC State Professor Jason Miller for his role in discovering the long-lost recording of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in Rocky Mount. Coming up, the new Brownies book, inspired by W.E.B. Du Bois more than 100 years ago. You're listening to Due South on WUNC.